life that we're going to find funny. You know, there's going to be laughter in heaven. Amen. Is that everybody here? This everybody here? There'll be some things to laugh about when you cross over. Heaven will be full of laughter, just as much singing and rejoicing and worship. It'll be equal in laughter. Amen. Uh, Father, I, I ask you to redeem the time here for me tonight. Let let your let let the the words of heaven flow out of my heart. <clears throat> that that it lay on ears that would hear. Let let everything that uh, Lord, I, I and I promise you, I won't rush it. Let let everything that you'd have me to say tonight. That that's been a been appointed and anointed to be heard here. Let it be. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father God, I'm going to do my part. And I know you're faithful to oversee your word. And I, and I put a demand on the anointing. That what I say, you will accomplish by your own will and your own power. Because you'll oversee your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. So, I'm going to stay along the line of what pastor's been teaching on Wednesday nights. And I'm going to touch on some stuff that you hadn't heard, but hopefully that you'll Follow me along in the scriptures. And I want us to examine ourselves tonight. And Pastor said something Sunday when he made it here, talking about how he started the ministry here. And um, I think the enemy tried to twist it a little bit because he knew what, because I've known what I was going to speak on a week or so now, but um, he tried to twist it a little bit when Pastor gave an example of uh, he found himself going to churches trying to change the church, trying to change these churches. And he said the Lord told him, well, they have what they want. Y'all, y'all remember him saying that? Well, they, they have what they want. So let me ask you a question. Do, do you have what you want here at Heritage? You got, you got three people that work their fingers to the bone in, in praise and worship. This faithful few that we've got here tonight, is this what we want? Do, 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 we, do we have what we want? Have we witnessed laying hands on sick people in the congregation, and they'd be instantly healed. Pastor didn't leave here instantly healed Sunday. So do we have what we want? See, I don't think so. That's the reason I've been encouraged to share this with you. And I, there's nothing that I can do to change what happens here at Heritage. Only God can do that. 
But I'm going to do my part. I'm going to preach to you this unadulterated word. I'm going to show you by pattern how he does it in the scriptures. And it's going to be our responsibility to line up with that. And let him do what he does through our faithfulness and our willingness to be obedient to what the scriptures tell us to do. Amen. So tonight we're going we're gonna to challenge ourselves. We're going to examine ourselves. Everybody know what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says? It says examine yourself. <laughs> Test yourself. Did you not know that the Lord Jesus Christ lives in you? Unless you fail the test. Amen. So we ain't going to fail the test. We're going to examine ourselves. We're going to realize, recognize, acknowledge, and reverence that the Lord Jesus Christ lives in us. And so I want to talk about fellowship and the reality of fellowship. The reality of fellowship. And pastor's been using these... uh, Lord, let this flow from my heart, oh God. The pastor's been using these verses. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful, and by Him you were called to, to the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So fellowship is a calling. And then we'll go over to 1 John. He, he, he was reading from 1 John. And I'll start at uh, verse 3. And I'm going to read through verse 7. It says, We declare to you that which we have seen and heard, that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that your joy may be complete. So fellowship and the introduction to the fellowship and the participation of the fellowship and the receiving of the fellowship ought to be producing joy in our hearts. Why why is he saying he's introducing this? Fellowship to the people so that your joy may be complete. This then is the message which we've heard from him. Who's him? The Lord Jesus. And we declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So not practicing the truth is a form of lying. But, so, there's some big buts in the Bible. Amen. See, that, that's one of the things. Amen. <clears throat> but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to notice right here. You never may have recognized this. But did you notice that it's the fellowship and the blood that cleanses? If there's no fellowship, there's no cleansing. 
And it makes reference to something that's been said in Hebrews. Where and I, and I tied these two together in my study. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says almost everything is cleansed by the blood. Well, it says almost everything. So that leaves you with the, the in, you know, to inquire what is it that's not cleansed by the blood. This makes reference to it. Can we read it again? If we walk in light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So now it goes from having fellowship in the, in the earlier verses with the Father and with the Son, and, and, and it includes having fellowship one with another. And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You, you know what the importance of being cleansed from all sin is? So that you'll have the confidence to ask God for whatever it is you won't need and have the faith to believe that you'll receive it. The confidence. If you still have a sin conscience and you hadn't been cleansed from all your sin in your mind and in your heart, you're not going to have the confidence to believe that what the Scriptures say. Jesus said, anything that you ask for in my name, you, you shall have. So I ask you, do you have what you want tonight? Because if you don't, then there's no cleansing taking place yet. And if there's no cleansing taking place yet, let's look at the fellowship. Because the blood's done been applied. So the reality of the fellowship, it is a reality. So fellowship means, uh, and I looked this all up, because fellowship's introduced in, in the Old Testament, going all the way back uh, to... Uh, when Moses was giving the, uh, the law to, to the people, there was something called a fellowship offering in Leviticus 3. And so the, the, this word fellowship uh, is in the Hebrew, it's in the Greek. And so fellowship means a partnership. And notice a lot of these words that are in the definition of fellowship, the word part, P-A-R-T, is in all the words. So a partnership, participation, and then this concept of social intercourse. Okay? And I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to show you what this means. This social intercourse refers to the body of Christ. So we know that 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched in between 12 and 14. Where 12 and 14 is commonly known for the gifts of the Spirit. But I want you to pay, I think, more than being referring to the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is more about the body than it is the gifts. Y'all hear me? For, for, so this social intercourse is referring to the body of Christ. Being made one with another. Now we'll make reference to where it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. This being made one where it says a, a man will, shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. We know that one of the places, and not just the only place, but other places in the New Testament, there's been a uniting uh, of, of, of the two becoming one, the Jew and the Gentile. 
The dividing wall of hostility had been torn down where the two had become one man. Amen. So Paul makes reference about the marriage where the two will become one flesh. Are you all with me? We're talking about social intercourse, the body of Christ. Let's start at verse 12 here in 1 Corinthians. For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the many parts of that body are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. That word baptized means we entered into it. Just like th- this gives reference to like a submarine being baptized into water. See, it's, it's, it's put out into the water. It, it's entered into the water. This baptismo. And, and it has different references other than just water baptism. Are y'all listening to me? So we've entered into one body. And whether we're Jew or Gentile, see, here's where, where whether we're slave or free, we've all been made to drink of one spirit. And the body is not one part, but many. So everybody say this with me. I'm a part of the body. If the foot says, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? In other words, if God says it's a particular way and you say it ain't, does that change what God says? And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were the hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has established the parts, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? So there are many parts, yet one body. Now the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, so I've said this before, and this is really before I got revelation of it through the Word. You know, I, I heard for years and years and years that God don't need us. God don't need you. That's, that's what, that's what I, got. I, I was taught that. And it just didn't sit with me right. And, and so I, I went to searching in the Word and found this reference to the body of Christ where it says that the, ear can't, that the eye can't say to the hand or the head can't say to the feet that I don't need you. Well, who is the head of the body? So what does that say? It says the head can't say to the body, I don't need you. He needs us. Amen. God needs you to take your rightful place in the fellowship with his people. Now, I'm, we're going to go over, talking about the reality of it. How, how, how do you know that you've answered the call? If you've got a call of fellowship that you've been called to, how do you know that you've answered that call? I'm going to help you with it. It's simple. And then when I finish, I'm going to give a divine instruction that's come from heaven. Remember, Pastor talked about the significant shift is always preceded by a significant if. Y'all, 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 y'all do listen to him when he's preaching, right? I know you do. Amen. 
So I'm going to give a divine instruction that comes from heaven here at the end of this thing to, to make sure that we understand that we have answered the call. And now we're going to start paying more attention to it. And then as we progress in the days coming, we're going to begin to see the miracles and the signs and the wonders that happened in the book of Acts that turned the world upside down. I, I know his character. Now, Matt talked about waiting, waiting to see Jesus when he gets to heaven. I've already seen him. Matt talked about singing once he gets to heaven. Said there's going to be a great, he's going to give a big concert. He already does that. The Bible says since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, heaven already hears him in concert. And so, no, no, no parts of the body which seem to be weaker are unnecessary. And those parts of the body which we think are less honorable, upon these we bestow abundant honor. And our less respectable parts are treated with much more respect. So, so you know, there's parts of your body you cover up. And then there's parts that are exposed. And if you walked around with those parts of the body which are least respectable, if they were exposed, then you'd, you could get in trouble. Amen? Y'all listening to me? Okay, so that's what that's making reference to. Some things, some members of the body of Christ uh, need to be covered. And that means by love. Love covers these le- the, the ones that would appear least respectable, those are the ones that need the most attention. Y'all hear me? Amen. Okay, so... <clears throat> Whereas our more respectable parts have no need of this, but God has composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that part which lacks it, so that there should be no division... In the body, but that the parts should have the same care one for another. This is the part that we made reference to with in First in John. That if we say we walk in the light, as he is in the light, yet we don't have the care one for another, we're 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 lying to ourselves. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all the parts rejoice with it. Now we are the body of Christ and individual members thereof. And God has put these in the church. And he goes on to talk about the fivefold ministry that prepares the church and teaches them how the body of Christ is designed to function. See, I, I've said this a couple of times in front of other pastors, and it, I, they got offended by it. But I told them, I said, I, I, don't, I don't come to this church to learn doctrine. My doctrine is established. I, I come to church to be able to observe how the body of Christ is designed to work. And, and, and the people here, as long as y'all have served God, a bunch of you been 40, 50 years, whatever. But early on in your walk with God, you already should have had your doctrine established, and that'll never change. 
But revelation on how the body of Christ is designed to work, that is ever-changing. You hear me? So fellowship is a social intercourse. It's a communion with the Father and His people. Fellowship in the Greek and the Hebrew means distribution, contribution, a sharer with willingness. Will you say that about yourself this morning? I mean, this, this evening, that you are a sharer with willingness? and Because, listen, this is where the joy of the Lord is produced. This is where the joy of the Lord is produced. That's what John was talking about in in First John, so that your joy may be complete. How you make your joy complete is being able to put yourself in a position where, when somebody needs something, you can help them with it. So we're examining ourselves. To to so this is where the joy of the Lord is produced. What about? Uh, an associate, a partaker, a partner. What about participation? All these are words that in different applications is the, is the sum of fellowship. Spiritual intercourse. So that's, that's where, just like happened in the beginning, where Adam knew Eve and she conceived. See? This thing that's designed for the body of Christ to do, when it's functioning the proper way in fellowship, it produces after its own kind. How do you do that? You So just like what Paul talks about, where you have babes in Christ, you have young men in Christ, then you have fathers in Christ. Well, the babes, you know, they, they're at a particular place in their Christian walk, that they, they don't produce nothing. It, they're dependent on everybody else. Then the young men, they've transitioned a little bit where they got a little bit of liberty, a little bit of freedom. They've learned a little bit. They've overcome some stuff. But what do fathers do? Fathers give birth to babes. They produce after their own kind. That's what this spiritual intercourse is talking about. Where, where, the, where the two become one flesh. And they conceive something. Fellowship is designed to produce other believers. Amen. So what about to add to, addition, and in certain applications of fellowship, to resemble by process until completeness. And so looking at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, to resemble by process... Until completion, fellowship being made one with God and one with another. Let's just look at 16 through 18 here. To resemble by process until completion. Nevertheless, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, seeing the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces. So being veiled and unveiled 
It has a practical application. It's talking about in faith or not in faith. And when you got a veil over your face, you can't see nothing. It's, you, and being unveiled, that means in faith. And I can show you that in the Scriptures. So with unveiled faces as in a mirror and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. To resemble by process until completion. This is fellowship. When you look into the glory of the Lord, you're you're changed into that very image that you look at. That's what went on with Moses at the burning bush. And the reason he had to put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from looking at him, it wasn't time for man to be changed into the glory of the Lord. It wasn't time for that until Jesus come. Moses was just a type of what was to come. Have you not ever thought about why, why would Moses put a veil over his face so they couldn't look at the glory of the Lord? Because the, the time that Moses stood looking at that bush, it already began the process of transforming him into that thing he was looking at. And he put the veil over his face so the Israelites couldn't look at it because it was not time for God's people to be transformed into the very image of his son because they could not be in fellowship with God. They weren't, they weren't a like being with him. But we are in the New Testament. The heart of redemption is fellowship. Called to be one with God is the greatest honor man has ever received. And it also reveals the humility of God the Father, where you ask this question in the Psalms, what is man that you're mindful of him? We should reward the Father for this type of mindfulness for us by giving him the intimacy, the passion, the purpose, that He desires from us, in us, and like Pastor says, whatever He does in you, He wants to do through you, toward Him and each other. So let's look at the reality of the fellowship, the practical application of answering the call. How, How do we know for certain that we've answered the call of fellowship? If it's the greatest honor that man has ever received from our Heavenly Father, and from any man, as far as that's concerned, how do we know that we've answered it? Do we recognize and acknowledge that we have been called to fellowship? Well, how do we know that we've answered this call? See, we're a knowing people. You, you can't have faith beyond anything without knowledge. We're a knowing people. It has to be a reality to us before we can have the faith that comes with power to produce the results in our lives that we see in Scripture we should be experiencing. Fellowship has the power to transform every situation we encounter in life so that with this type of ability and responsibility available to us, we should be eager and passionate about these things and make sure that we don't forsake such a great salvation, that we don't forsake such a great privilege, 
such a great benefit and honor that God has given to us. And so I want to renew your mind to some things we know from Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're talking about how do do we know that we've answered the call? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and and perfect will of God. And this word perfect means lacking nothing. This word just lines right up with complete, completeness. That's what we talked about to, to resemble the thing that you're looking at until completion. So, the, so, so are we in fellowship? What, what is our status in this life if we've been called to fellowship? Are we, are we in a relationship? Are we in a marriage covenant with Christ? Y'all help me answer, answer these questions as we go to help me along. Are, are we in a relationship with God? Or are we in a marriage covenant with Christ? Matt, you help me. Vanessa's done moved to the back. Are, are we in a relationship with God? Or are we in a marriage covenant with Christ? So when we add the word personal, which we talk about personal relationship, it gives the appearance of intimacy or heavenly, but it's deceptive and destructive by nature and application to the call of fellowship. This fellowship is oneness. Every time you see the word fellowship, you think of oneness. Because I just read to you that we're one body. We're one body. If one suffers, we all suffer. And I'm going to go over something here in, 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 in a minute that is the practical application of it, okay? So we see oneness revealed from the beginning to the end in the Bible. It's with Adam and Eve, and it's all the way through Revelation. Uh, established by the covenant marriage. Uh, it gives natural illustrations in the Old Testament, and it gives spiritual illustrations in the New Testament. So here's an example. So with a relationship, and this is what the people in the Old Testament had with God. They, had, they, had, they were... They were in a relationship level with God because they were not like Him. They had the seed of Adam. They, they, they were corrupt. They weren't born again. God dealt with them through the five senses. And so they, they, they couldn't, they, they could not be in fellowship with God. They were, they were in a relationship with God. Well, guess what relationship is? Now, I want you to think about it now. In, in our time, the spiritual side of it uh, in, in comparison to the practical application. So relationship, y- y'all seen that on Facebook or whatever says I'm in a relationship? Y'all seen that status? Y'all hadn't seen that when people say I'm in a relationship? So guess what? No covenant has been made. Now, I'm asking you to examine yourself to, to confirm whether or not you've answered the call of fellowship. 
So no covenant has been made. You're not married. No promises have been made. We're talking about relationship. No commitment has been made. Only convenience. Now we're talking about people that are partaking in uh, church services, in the body of Christ. You think about these things that you see happening every day. Uh, And we're talking about right here at Heritage. No commitment has been made, only convenience. Still open in our hearts to other opportunities. We're trying to confirm whether or not we just relationship-minded or we fellowship-minded. If something better comes along, I'm not obligated. There are secrets kept between the two parties. Two different schedules, two different goals, visions, purposes, established by convenience or opportunity with no consideration of others and their well-being, and not sure about the future of the relationship. It has the appearance of security and peace, but guided or led by insecurities, fear, and doubt. Talking about the difference between relationship and fellowship. Also, the relationship, it can exist and continue just by liking each other. That's flesh to flesh. Now look here. You have a common interest. We're talking about here at Heritage with everybody that comes in and out of these doors. We have a common interest of worldly events. We talk about sports, politics, hunting, fishing, cars, hobbies, etc. The relationship can be maintained by the outward conditions and circumstances, but if anything changes or if it doesn't grow, you can go. These are practical examples of the difference between the way the world does business and the way God does business. Going the way of the world will get worldly results. No revelation, no understanding, no visions, no dreams, no miracles, no signs, individually and corporately. By doing it God's way, we'll get God's results. So let's look at Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to use these particular portions of Scripture. We, we, we went through and we seen what relationship looked like. Okay? Did you know that we can just have relationships with people, but that's not what it says in 1 John that will cleanse you from all your sin. It said you must have fellowship one with another. So Acts chapter 2. Glory to God. So verse 41. Then, then those who gladly received His word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Fear came over every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who, were, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their property and their goods and distributed them to all according to their need. And continuing daily with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, 
They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And guess what? Once you've done verse 41 through verse 46, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were of one heart and one soul. And no one said what he possessed was his own. But to them all things were in common. With great power. The apostles testified to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. And there was no one among them who lacked anything. For all those who were owners of land and houses, they sold them, brought the income from what was sold, placed it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each according to his need. Acts chapter 6. Now this is a very, very important part of what of what we have going on here in the book of Acts, okay? So verse 1. Now in those days as the disciples were multiplied. Okay, so you got to be reminded that from Acts chapter 2 all the way to right here, the same thing's been happening. Not one among them had a need. Everything that people had in surplus, they didn't consider it their own. They brought it, laid it at the apostles' feet, brought it to the house of God so that there wouldn't be not one among them had a need. I, I talk to people at this church got needs. And they're financial. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I know Pastor, he goes back and he looks at, he, li, he listens to my messages. I'm going to offer my services to this church from this night on, both financially and in wisdom. We're going to deal with this. If, he, if Pastor will, will, will open the door for me to take my place in this particular position, just like they do in the book of Acts, just to begin this work, and then have people come along as we progress. I, I have no doubt that we're going to see some changes for the better at Heritage Christian Center when it comes to bringing in the multitude. So there was, there was murmuring. So even, even among the people being multiplied, there's still going to be some stuff you've got to deal with. That's where the wisdom comes into play says, because their, their widows were overlooked in the daily distribution. Remember, we went back over here and I told you one of the words for the fellowship is the distribution. So the twelve called the multitude of disciples together and said, it's not right for us to leave the word, to leave the preaching, and, and serve tables, which means to handle financial matters. 
So you had the multitude of the disciples out preaching. And they called them together and told them, Hey, we can't stop preaching just to handle financial stuff. Brothers, look among yourselves for seven men who are known to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we'll appoint over this duty. But we, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And what was said pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, who was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and they named some more people. And when they had prayed and placed their hands on them, uh, and, and when they had prayed, they placed their hands on them. And so the word of God spread, and the number of disciples grew rapidly in Jerusalem, and a great number of priests were obedient to the faith. So here's why this is so important. They stopped the preaching ministry to get the love ministry right. They knew that the preaching, going in all the world and make disciples, would not be able to get accomplished if there was a reproach among their own people. They stopped the preaching in order to get the love right. Not one among them had a need. The demonstration of the love of God is the highest level of evangelism that you'll ever experience in the kingdom of God. Once the world knows that God has made them a promise, you come unto me and I'll meet every need. Verse 5 says, and, and it pleased what was, and, and, and all were pleased by what was said. Y'all supposed to be smiling at me and jumping up and shouting. Hallelujah. All right, so, and then chapter 11 <clears throat> demonstration of love is the highest level of evangelism there is. Um, and, and chapter 11 talks about in verse 29 then every disciple according to his own ability determined to send relief to the brothers who were in Judea and indeed they did and sent it to, sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul so this thing about giving and generosity uh is introduced here of of what measure you do it according to your own ability. Now, everybody doesn't have the same ability. Now, I got a lot of stuff here, but I want to look at 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to finish. You got two chapters here that Paul, uh, in in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he he talks about uh, the, the generosity of believers toward the saints in need. Moreover, brothers, this is verse 1, uh, I, I won't, you to experience the grace of God. Now, see, we know from Acts that more grace was on them when they started functioning in fellowship. The oneness with one another, that if one suffers, if one is in need, this, this heart of compassion that talked about in, in 1 John uh, chapter 4 and 5, that if you see your brother naked and hungry, and all you do is say, go, and I'll pray, 
and be well fed and, and be warm and you don't give him what he needs, how can the love of God be in you? This compassion is what opens the door to the grace to flow in the body of Christ. So, so the, to experience the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how in a great trial of affliction and their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed toward the riches of their gener- generous giving. For I bear record, Paul said, I'm a witness of it, that according to their means and beyond their means, they freely gave. See, it's about the willingness of the heart. And that's all over. I, got a, uh, I studied this in the book of Ruth with Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. When Ruth went to glean in the field, she said, if there's anybody out there that would be willing to let me uh, glean from the outer portion. Beautiful part of Scripture. Boaz being the kinsman redeemer, where, 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 where Ruth went to for her source and supply. And Boaz said, hey, you, you see that lady right there? Don't send her away. You let her get what she wants. And then let her get over here and drink water with the regular women. And then you look in the New Testament where feeding the multitude in all four Gospels. The first thing the disciples wanted to do, hey, Lord, you want us to send the people away to where they can go into town and buy their own food? Jesus is a type. I mean, Boaz is a type of Jesus, the kinsman redeemer. Jesus said the same thing Boaz did. Don't send them away. You feed them. Lord, do we spend 200 denarii to feed these people? There's a bunch of them. He said, just bring me what you have. So he got their eyes off the money. And he brought it back to what it's all about. Just bring to me what you have. And guess what happened? He multiplied it. That's what we're talking about right here. Everyone giving according to their means. They freely gave, begging us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of this ministry to the saints. Man, this is so pretty. They, they did this, not as we expected, but even more, they gave themselves to the Lord and by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this gracious deed for you. And as you abound in everything in faith and utterance and in knowledge and diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound also in this grace. Now, he says, I don't say this as a command. Now, let me tell you why this is different from what you see in your federal government. God has a social standard that he has for his people. And it would look like that that socialism on on the surface, and this is how Satan has perverted it in our government, the reason so many people will fight for these welfare programs. And the difference between God's social standard and the government social standard is, is, the, is the federal government wants to force you to do it through taxation. God's way of doing it is you willingly come and surrender it. That's the difference. God has a social standard that not nobody have a need in his house. 
But he, Paul says, I ain't saying this as a command. I ain't going to force you to do it. I'm not even saying it's required of you. Unless you want to go through life without the grace. And without the miracles. And without the signs. And without the wonders. Without the revelation. Without the understanding. But if you want to see Acts chapter 2, 4, 6, and 11 manifested in this church, it is what's got to happen. And, he, and so he says, he says, I don't say this as a command, but to prove through your authenticity to others the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, for your sakes He became poor, that through His poverty you might be made rich. So, the whole essence of fellowship can be summed up in this. What are you willing to give up for the benefit of somebody else? And so we go on down through here, 8 and 9. And then so, verse 12 in chapter 9, For the, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints... but is abundant also through many acts of thanksgiving to God. So once people see you participating and doing what you do and see the benefits of that, it's going to cause other people to do the same thing because they're going to want to be a part of it. Meanwhile, through this performance of your ministry, this service, they glorify God for your profession of your faith in the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing, your generosity with them and all others. And in their prayer for you, they long for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for this indescribable gift. What is this indescribable gift? This generosity that produces the grace of God in the church. And Paul, going into chapter 10, he, he listen to this now. After he's talking about giving and generosity and, and providing for the needs of the saints, he says, now... I, Paul, whom lonely in presence among you, but bold toward you while you're absent, I appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness that's in Christ. I beg you that when I'm present, I might not have to be bold with confidence, by which I intend to be bold against some who think we're walking according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit. He's, he's saying there's some that want to challenge him that... Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. That ain't none of that stuff about generosity and everything, about giving spiritual. You're in the flesh. And he said, I intend on challenging them. And look what he says right here. Who, who, who think we're walking according to the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
Generosity is a spiritual gift and a weapon that has the ability to break strongholds. And strongholds prevent worship. I don't know if you notice, but God told through Moses, Pharaoh, you need to let my people go so they can worship. Being in bondage in Egypt, where they didn't have nothing, they didn't own nothing, It frustrates worship. You want to know why it's so hard to get people to praise God in the house? You got to coach them and, 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 and just go uh, out of your way. Hey, lift your hand. Raise your hands. No, you get some people freed up financially. You ain't going to have to coach them to shout. You can't be spiritually free and financially bound. Amen. So here's what I'm going to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Here's where I'm going to finish. Y'all forgive me if I know it's probably a little bit. I think I've done pretty good with God helping me here. I still got a lot of stuff. A divine instruction. I'm going to help you with. Everything we've heard. Paul says, now concerning the collection for the saints. I've given this instruction to the churches of Galatia, so even you must do. On the first day of every week, let every one of you lay in store as God has prospered him so that no collections will be made when I come. So it doesn't necessarily have to be every week. This thing is subject to what what pastor may pray about and how... He may be led to do this, but we need to have a designated offering solely for the needs of the saints. And I would recommend to him he let me take it up. And we, we, we mark it, earmark it, collection for the saints. And then we begin a process of everybody that has been faithful to the house of God it's basically like an interview process. Corporately, where everybody can see it. Who in here has got a need in the house? When you raise your hand, if, you, if, you, if you're confident enough or humble enough to come to the front and tell everybody what your need is, and we'll discuss a way to get it resolved. And then not only that, make sure that whether if it's month to month or year to year, uh, that you you, there, you get in a place where you don't need help anymore. So I've got a, I've got an offering right here that I wrote out, an offering for the saints. And I'm gonna sow this tonight in reverence to what Paul says now concerning the collection for the saints. And he's given this an instruction to the church at Galatia, and he said, even you must do also. Let every one of you lay in store uh, as God has prospered him so that no collection will be made when, when, we, when we discover that there's things in the church that people need. Every significant shift is preceded 
by a significant if. So if you would see the things in this house turn for the glory of God and the multitude be increased, the ifs on your part, if you'll be obedient to the Word of God and let's do what He says and see what happens in the book of Acts, we'll see the things change that'll turn the world upside down. Father, I thank You for this time. Lord God, uh, You, you, you hold all things together by the power of your word. I, I, I'm reminded of when Jesus said two or three days before he got to the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Father, I thank you that this will not end in death. And he went on about his business. And then when he got to the tomb, he said, I thank you that you heard me. Well, I've proclaimed your will and your way of fellowship in this house tonight. I thank you that you heard me. And this thing will not end in death, but it'll take life from this night forward, and we're going to see the benefits. That I see my, I see my pastor laboring with all effort to accomplish Let's give him what he's desired from his labor. And I thank you for the results that you're going to add to this place by the multitude. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.